welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Holly Bubbitz, and welcome back for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 7th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that, again, we're in this beautiful time that we're halfway now through the year. It's amazing how fast 2019 has already been moving. I know for me personally, there's a couple things that I'm wanting to do on the podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm going to say here on the podcast, the goal is that before the end of 2019, that there will be some major changes, hopefully on how you are receiving the podcast. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I've been looking into this for a very long time, and there's just a few things that I need to go through and do. But now with stating it in the podcast, I'm hoping now that it motivates me to continue to work on it to be able to get this project done. And it's a big project. It's amazing to think about the archive that I essentially have here that I was hoping that I'll be able to share with you in an easier format so you can go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. But that gives a lot of it away. But I think it's something that's very valuable. It's something that I've learned a lot from over this past year and a half of doing this. And I thank you for tuning in and listening to this. But I'm also excited to be able to go through these and look back as I know that I've done that a few times. And there's a lot of times where there's some really good information that's still there. So I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to dig into that. And I also want to give a shameless plug to Working Preacher because if I hadn't stumbled upon Working Preacher, I don't think this would be possible. Since I am not an ordained minister, it's great to be able to listen to seminary professors discuss and look at these texts each week through commentaries, discussions. There's a lot of information on workingpreacher.org, and if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. And one final thing before we get into this week's readings, we need to look at last week's Twitter question. And the Twitter question was, where do you get humbled and how do you move forward? So I did get one response from somebody this week and it was kind of funny. I will try sharing it down below. But here's what it says. Two donkeys were walking in Jerusalem when one donkey said to the other, just yesterday, I was here carrying Jesus and people were singing and shouting and throwing their clothes for me to walk on and today they don't even recognize me. The other donkey replied, that's how it is, my friend. Without Jesus, you are nothing. And I thought that was just kind of a funny little tidbit this week and I think it's also a good way of thinking about being humbled. I think there's a lot of times where we get up on our high horse and when stuff doesn't then go the way that we expect, that often then we realize that we really weren't up as high as we thought we were. And it's one of those things that I think is really important to be able to consider and to think about, and especially in a world today that is more and more driven by the idea of me and what do I have to bring to the table? How does this benefit me that we need to cut ourselves down a few notches, a few pegs, and be able to look at the we, be able to think about the community, be able to think about it as a whole. And I think that's one of the things as we're moving forward, as we're looking at this from the church's perspective, I think it's one of the things we really need to work on. 
we have to be able to think about the broader community and what does that look like? What does that mean? When you're thinking about and discussing these different subjects, I think it's not even just purely focusing on the church as a whole, but thinking about the community and thinking about not even just the next year, but the next 10, next 15, how could this benefit the community? And that's difficult, that's hard, but it's important as we move forward. So when we're looking at this week's text, there's a lot of really fun things and there's a couple different things that have come to my head and tying faith and science together on this. So let's dig into it. The gospel text is out of Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. And This continues off of what we talked about last week, where Jesus is still walking toward Jerusalem, but he is sending out the disciples in pairs of two, which is important this week, in pairs of two, and he gets the quote here in verse two, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest go on your way. And so they go out and Jesus then tells them how to appreciate the houses that they're welcomed into, what to do when they're not welcomed into, when your cities that you get welcomed into, what to do when you don't get welcomed into a city, what are you supposed to do? And then we get toward the end of this reading when they came back and how they were doing things they didn't expect to be able to be able to do. They were able to cast out demons and watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning in verse 18. And that they were given authority. To, I have given you authority to tend on snakes and scorpions and the power over the enemy. Nothing will hurt you. Coming from verse 19. But I think it's really important, verse 20 here at the very end, the final closing line. There is a really powerful statement in that. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at that. That the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So this idea that it's written in the book of heaven type of idea coming through at the very end and that even though you've been given the ability to be able to do all this stuff, that really doesn't matter. And I think that's a really powerful thing. It's so easy for us, again, to, like last week, what we were talking about with humbling ourselves, it's really easy to pump yourself up, especially if your church or community that you're working in is thriving. And it's really easy to look at what we are able to do. And that's really not the point that we're getting here from Luke. And that's really humbling and really powerful to remember in the back of your head that this isn't purely about numbers. It's about continuing to grow in your walk and helping others in their walk. And that doesn't mean counting the number of people. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 66 verses 10 through 14. This is an interesting reading to look at, and I think it's really powerful for us to help understand the essence of who God is, because it starts with rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her and rejoice in her, all you mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her counseling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her gorgeous bosom. Verses 10 and 11. This is right after Jerusalem has fallen. 
And the thing that I find interesting as you go through this reading, how Isaiah is talking about don't get consumed with what has happened. Look at the blessings that has come from Jerusalem and what in the past it has provided for you. This idea of being almost satisfied that we were humbled again with the falling of the temple, but realizing that it's just a building. Getting back to kind of the Tower of Babel from a few weeks ago, this is just a city. This is just a building. That doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Continue to move forward. Continue to progress and don't get attached to this idea of just the city. The alternative first reading is from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-14. through 14. And this is the story of Naaman. And if you don't know the story of Naaman, it's a neat little story here coming from 2 Kings. And you have the king over Aram, but the issue that he has after winning a battle is that he has leprosy. And that there is this young girl that they have captured who is from Israel and says, if you let the Lord be Lord over this land back home like me, it would cure leprosy. So he sends silver and gold and himself and garments to Israel. And they're kind of the king's, what the heck is this? And the prophet Elisha then says, let me take care of this. So they go to Elisha. Elisha says, go and wash in the river seven times. And the king is kind of upset by this. Kind of why did I travel all this ways? Why can't I wash in the rivers near me? And his kind of group of people, if you want to call it, not his posse, but his entourage, if you want to put it that way, tells him, well, why don't you at least try this? I mean, the worst that could happen if it was difficult, would you then be balking at that? He washes seven times and he becomes clean. So this idea of trusting the Lord, I think is definitely in there. I think this idea of God working in ways we don't always expect is definitely in this text and how healing at times may come in a different form. And I think that's one of the things to consider with this also. The psalm this week is Psalm 66 verses 1 through 9, and this is definitely praising God. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. First two verses there. This whole idea of being able to look and see what God has done and that we then, in service, should then worship the God who was doing this for us. The second reading is from Galatians, optionally, verses 1 through 6, and then 7 through 16. Again, then we're still having this letter from Paul and talking about what does it mean to be living in this community. So this gets into discussing how with having the Spirit of Christ in us, because we have been sanctified through the cross, through Christ Jesus, that then that inspires us to go out, to do the work, to try to do our best. It doesn't mean that then we can go, and in this case, talking about the law, that that doesn't just exclude us from the law, because there are plenty of people who don't know Christ, 
who then are going to follow the law, but being able to use that as part of your ministry and being able to see and reap from that the harvest of not only yourself, but just also the community around you. I focused mostly this week when I was looking at these texts out of the gospel text, but I think there is some ripple effects through these. And when I first thought about this, the first thing that kind of came to mind is the scientific method. And that there are times when we, comparing it to going out, that there are expectations and things, hypothesis that we have, that there are times then when we come back Things didn't happen the way that we expected. And that there are times then, because of that, then we need to reject whatever those hypotheses were. Even though however much we want to accept these hypotheses, we have to be okay with letting it go. But when I continued to think about this and continued to work on this, and I've talked about the scientific method plenty of times in this podcast, I have just felt that it kept kind of breaking down. And it just didn't seem to work well for this text. So I continued thinking, continued working, and I think I figured out something that's interesting, something I'm fairly confident I have not talked about at least in a very long time, and that is mitosis and meiosis. And I want to focus a little bit more initially here on meiosis. And meiosis is the process by which your sex cells go through reproduction to be able to make you. So this process of taking the genetic information from your parents, combining them, and that the cells getting it down to, okay, here is half of the remnant from your father and then half the remnant from your mother, and sticking those together. And what do we get? We don't often know what that's going to bring. We don't often know what the result will be. There are times, as we've seen with how our genes divide, when we're going for a perfect 46 chromosomes, We sometimes get a little bit more and a little bit less, and that causes difficulty as we perceive it for that person. But most of the time, it's fairly successful, but that's how you can get two brothers who are similar yet very different, is through that mixing of genes. And our cells do it too. Your cells, through the process of mitosis, are constantly dividing, continue to continue so that you can live. And the reason I bring this up is when we're talking about Christ sending them out in pairs. I think it's really powerful, especially the meiosis image, that here you have two people bringing their genetic material together to create one. That they're working together to create one. How often, I think, in the faith we need to consider that model with just faith. That we're bringing people together, two, three, to help one find their faith. And that we're not rejoicing, like it says in verse 20, you're not rejoicing based off of just purely all the things that you're able to do. You're rejoicing in the regards and the respect to the name being added to the book of heaven. 
that you're rejoicing in the idea of the name being there. And that's where, for me, I read this and interpret this as purely, it's not about the quantity. It's probably more focused on the quality of that. Because, granted, sure, two people could go and make some grand pronouncement in the town square and get all these people, but is there the depth? Is there the quality to that? If we're not spending the time to nurture that like you would a child, what's the point? If you want to take the meiosis model and you watch then as this single cell continues to divide to make a human being, it takes nine months for that baby to be ready to enter the world. But it doesn't mean by any chance that that is a baby fully developed. And we could argue that it takes our whole lives to fully develop. And if you want to go based off the brain, it's till 25. That's the difference also between K-selected and R-selected species. Us being K-selected, that it takes longer development, like elephants, compared to mice, which are an R-selected species. This idea to me of two people coming together to produce one is also kind of like our faith. Because it's you and the Spirit of God coming together to write you, the new you, the changed you. To me, it's amazing then how you have throughout Scripture where two or more are gathered, two or three are gathered in my name. I am there also. I think this image of two becoming one is something that we can relate to, we can understand. And yet it's amazing to me how often when we are talking about faith, how often it isn't work that way. It's usually one-on-one, which can be good. And we don't know how these people divided up. They went out in groups of two and they talked to a couple people and come back and reconvene. But I think it's also showing the importance of if you're doing some type of evangelistic method, you have to be able to have somebody to go and relate to, somebody to be able to go back to. Because even through the process of meiosis and mitosis, there is somebody because it's going to divide. It's going to divide to make another one. This idea of working together, this idea that when things don't go our way, the way we expect that that's okay, to realizing that we still just have to trust. Isn't that what we see through the Isaiah text and the Second Kings text? And through that trusting, we still rejoice. And we can kind of hear some of those points of rejoicing, not in the aspect of a boastful way, but understanding that living with Christ may be difficult, but through that there is life. We are simple cells being come together in a magnificently complex, beautiful thing called being a human being, being a homo sapien. But yet, we all started from a single cell, single cell. A single cell that combined the genetic materials from two other people to make you. And through that single cell, it divided multiple times. But no matter how you break it, it comes back to that you came from two. You didn't come from one. 
So when Christ, to me, is sending us out in twos, it's because we originally started from two. And hopefully through when we are sent out in twos, we might have the privilege of adding another one to the book of heaven. That's the beautiful thing that we see. We can understand that in relationships, in families, but I think it's also corresponding and understanding that in faith that is so important. So the Twitter question this week will be this. Where else do you see two becoming one? So I kind of have talked about this kind of in a natural sense with animals, I would say, some type of mammal. I would love to hear if there's other places where you are seeing two becoming one before they can become two again. And I also think it's really important when we look at this model and we think about it from faith that we're bringing people together so that maybe one more person can find and learn about their faith, learn about this journey that we're on with Christ. And realizing that in that, that they should not be alone. That yes, they came to that realization, let's find somebody to help them along that road. It's like we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, it's difficult because faith is both a community thing and an individualistic thing. And there's not a ton of things that are like that. Well, life is a combination of things working together in a community and as an individual. And we right now are in a world where we're glorifying the individual more than we ever have. And maybe we need to start looking at the community because we originally started from a pair, not starting from one. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.